Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Happy Saturday and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com and we're getting ready for the second edition in 2021 of Raider Week. It's the Chiefs and Raiders at noon Arrowhead time at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday. And this podcast will cover our best takeaways from the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network leading into that game. So we start with Out of Structure as Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner explore the Chiefs' defensive turnaround. On the editor show with myself and John Dixon around the 13-minute mark, we talk about our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' win over the Denver Broncos. We continue on with the Great British Chiefs show around the 22-minute mark as they take their first look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Then it's show and BK at the 34-minute mark as Ron and Steve Serta prepare as if the defense will be the best part of this Chiefs team. And we finish off with our interview series around the 45-minute mark. Tyler Bischoff of ESPN Radio in Las Vegas. How, if possible, could the Raiders win in Arrowhead? It's a great podcast. We cover everything you need to know heading into this Chiefs-Raiders game. Again, we'll start with Out of Structure. It's Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. I never felt like the defense was not going to eventually get a stop. Uh, even when the run defense, even when the Broncos were able to run the ball well, uh, to me that doesn't t- that doesn't say the Chiefs have a bad run defense again. It's just one of those days where uh, you ran into a to kind of a buzzsaw. Uh, but it almost felt like the Chiefs were content in letting them move the ball on the ground a little bit because they knew uh, that when push came to shove, uh, they could shut down Teddy Bridgewater in the passing offense. Yeah, that's actually one thing I was kind of concerned about going into the game is that the Chiefs would commit to stopping the run and forcing Teddy Bridgewater to, uh, you know, uh, beat them. And I think they kind of did, you know, they kind of did the opposite where they said, hey, you know, run a little bit. We're going to make it harder on Teddy to to get the pass game going with receivers like, you know, the trio they have is, is one of the best in the NFL, no doubt. Um, guys like Tim Patch and Cortland Sutton are, are, are really good on the outside. And cornerbacks Traverius Ward and you know plays another great game. He, he's continuing to play well, but but also you know DeAndre Baker plays well too. Uh, you know, kind of coming in. Uh, actually, Mike Hughes started the game, but DeAndre Baker played the rest of it. So um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit with the coverage, I guess. But but in terms of the run defense, I guess my point was that it, there was only one real stretch where it was it was it was a problem. It was it was two drives. Actually, one of them ended up twenty plays, but it was a thirty play sequence. Two drives uh, took up thirty plays. I'll, guess how many points they allowed? Three freaking points on the on those thirty. You know, and, and thirty plays. You know, given up where all the, those run defense. Yeah, there was a lot of gas runs, seven or eight yard runs. But the thing about this defense right now is how they're playing situationally. This third down defense is one of the best in the league right now. They have been. They're they're over this five game winning streak. They're allowing a conversion percentage of twenty five point eight percent, which is the lo- the best in that in the entire NFL. Uh, according to our guy Matt McMullen with the Chiefs, um, in that stretch in that five game stretch, and it's because yeah the run defense in that stretch wasn't getting them to third down. But as soon as they were in that stretch, they were two for six on third down. Now Denver was aggressive on fourth down and that's why they were able to, to kind of get that continue that drive. I think they had three fourth down, two fourth down conversions and three attempts on that 20 play drive. Um, But all that to say is the run defense only matters to an extent. If you can't finish the drive, if you can't, you can't get it into the end zone. If you can't, you know, get a chunk play with the passing game, you're just wasting time for yourself to try and score and get back in this game because eventually this third down or fourth down defense is going to stop you. And that's exactly what happened. I, you know, Spags is just dialing it up right now on that, on that specific down. And, and it really makes, you know, a run defense that, you know, maybe a few plays gives up chunk plays. It really doesn't matter because 
once once they get the third down, they're getting stopped a quarter of the time, one out of four times. A ridiculous rate right now. That's why I felt like it was it was a strategic move because they were they were all over Bridgewater from a pressure perspective when when he did attempt to pass, and, and so I think they and the coverage was fantastic uh, all day long, just like you said. So it's almost like they were daring them to run the ball and, and saying you know uh, we'll we'll battle. You know there were they were they were consistently attacking against the run. Uh, they just didn't always get the job done right away. Uh, but sooner or later, just like when the the way the teams have played the Kansas City Chiefs so far this season, if you force teams to go on 10-play, 20-play drives, sooner or later they're going to make a mistake. Or sooner or later your your guys are going to make a play uh, just as likely as theirs. So I, I think against these Broncos, this wasn't a bad approach. It made them completely one-dimensional. I never felt like Teddy Bridgewater was going to be a threat. Every time he dropped back, uh, it looked like, uh, the Chiefs' defense uh, had his number. So if, if that's the case, you can make the team one-dimensional, even if they're good at that one dimension. Uh, most of the time you're going to be okay. And, and I think the the fact that they were able to force some turnovers in the passing game and on special teams made this a game where the run defense just – or the, the fact that they were able to run the ball just flat just didn't matter. And by the time it was a, a, a two- or three-possession game, um, let them run the ball all they want to. Yeah, and, and so the run defense was paired with just great play by the back end, and that's kind of been the highlight to me over this stretch of wins is how good the secondary has been playing. But I'm also going to include the linebackers in, the, in, that, in that discussion as we talked about this game last night. Uh, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, Ward playing well again, you know, Baker continuing. We'll talk about him a little more, but how about Juan Thornhill getting that interception? It was great to see him make a play. Hey, you know, you're probably you know, you're probably gonna see that play if you're watching at home and say, Oh, you know, that was a terrible play with the quarterback. He just throws it right to Thornhill. You know, I don't even know how good of a play that is for Thornhill. Well, I want to point out though that that coverage, the, the way they were using Thornhill there, that's called the robber, where and we've heard Mahomes use this as a, a you know, talking about ways defenses are playing them. And it's a pretty common, you know, way to play coverage, but Basically, you know, you're going to start in too high, you know, two deep safeties, but one of them is going to at the at the snap going to rotate to playing, you know, over the entire top of the defense in a one high look. And the other safety is going to drop into kind of that intermediate era over the middle of the field and look at the quarterback's eyes and try to find where he's going and, and, and be a robber, you know, be a thief of the football. And that's exactly what Thornhill does. And the reason that's significant is that that's usually Matthew that does that. They usually trust Matthew to play that role. I don't know how often Thornhill is trusted to play that role. And so I think that might have been why why Bridgewater didn't expect Thornhill to be in that situation. I think he sees Matthew drop and thinks, oh, they're in a too high look. There's no robber here because Matthew's usually the robber. So all that to say, I think it's a good fork in the road kind of moment maybe for Thornhill that it's showing that the defensive staff is trusting him to play in important roles more. That's a very important role, and that's, and that's a, a wrinkle that the defense – can really throw out other quarterbacks and and just like you saw it can confuse them and allow him to throw right where Thornhill is because Thornhill see Thornhill cuts you know he's he knows he's playing over the middle he knows Judy's to the outside of him and there's a potentially in-breaking route to Judy who Bridgewater likes getting the ball to that's exactly what happens he, he sits underneath it Bridgewater tries to throw an, in, an in-breaking route to Judy it's intercepted so I wanted to shout out Juan Thornhill and that was that was just one play but it was a really good ex- example of him it's continuing to excel and 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 work in more into the defense, I guess. Spags trusting him a little more. Yeah, the more versatile, you know, interchangeable those secondary pieces are, the better for this defense. We've seen it with Sneed, we've seen it with uh, Matthew, and, and then Thornhill. We've always thought he had that ability, and it's nice to see it come into play. Nice to see the film study come out uh, in on game day as well. Uh, he clearly had some good anticipation on that play and knew what was coming. Yes. I, think they, I think they knew. Uh, the mixing things up in the middle there wasn't going to be uh, uh, wasn't not going to end up in a good result for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, let's let's jump to a, a quick little little game here. We'll try to have some fun with some of these uh, um, some of these things that some Chiefs fans are worried about, uh, or some of the national media are talking about when it comes to the Chiefs. Some of these narratives uh, or or outcomes from this game and, and other recent games. And so what I'm trying to figure out is should we really panic about these items or should we uh, are we okay with them? So we're going to call it, uh, for lack of a better title, <laughs> OMG or NBD. So, oh, my God, this is a problem or no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's start with Mahomes' accuracy, Ron. OMG or NBD on the accuracy issues from Pat Mahomes. 
you get the stamp of approval for the the name uh the naming of this game for sure i was 100 approved behind this but uh I'll, I'll go quickly here omg or mbd from Mahomes' accuracy i really do think it's 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 not as big an issue as as maybe national media can make it it's it's never his accuracy has never been perfect it's just that it never been coupled with this bad of luck in terms of passes flying off his receiver's hands into defender's hands so no big deal mbd yeah, I'll stick with NBD just because I believe in Patrick Mahomes, and sooner or later, you know he's going to be he's going to be the reason they win games. This particular game, it was the defense and special teams. There'll be other games like that, uh, but when it comes down to it, there's nobody I'd rather have under center. Uh, and I think his accuracy and ball placement are part of what makes him great and part of what makes him the MVP. But in the short term, in, in this particular game, there were some passes that, that he left on the field. There were some that he that he's going to look at film and say he wanted back. Maybe that's another miscommunication with the receivers. Uh, maybe it's you know somebody ran the wrong route. But there was a couple plays where it, it really seemed like there was some frustration on his part and some and some misses on his part. So it's on the radar. But for now, we'll call it NBD. How about the the lack of production from Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? We already mentioned it, but the the two of them combined uh, for what was most disturbing for me, 13 targets and only uh, five receptions between the two of them. So uh, not only was it a lack of production, only 49 combined yards, but that five for 13, it's really uncharacteristic for those two guys. Uh, should we start to worry about Hill and Kelsey? Yeah, I'd actually I'd lean towards OMG for, for this because – uh, we, we've seen Kelsey torch Denver in the past. We've seen Hill torch Denver in the past. You know, this is this is a team that the Chiefs are familiar with. This is a defense they're familiar with, and they've had success against. I mean, you know, uh, it, this just popped in my head. But last year, we literally scored it. Tyreek Hill literally scored a touchdown that didn't get called because we didn't challenge it. You know, I mean, they're literally scoring points that didn't even exist. I mean, that's how much they've been able to to do stuff on Denver in the past, and. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the lowest production totals as a duo they've ever had in their career. So um, that out of a bye week, that is really discouraging, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not going to freak out about it, but it is it is more OMG than NBD. You know, I, I, I'm I going to say it because I think, you know, we do have to acknowledge it maybe a little bit. You know, Kelsey is a little older. You know, this physical coverage might be hampering him, you know, uh, you know, holding him down a little more than we maybe like to admit. He's he's really getting beat up, and it's you know once or twice in a season is NBD for sure. But it feels like it's becoming a pattern with these with both of these players. The production is not the same as what we're used to seeing. You know, Hill is not getting loose uh, deep or making the big plays that we expect. He's got a lot more targets this year, and he's still been productive overall. But the big plays haven't been there, and so that average per catch is way down this year. Travis Kelsey, as mentioned, is really just getting beat up. Uh, there was a lot of times, a lot of frustration I saw in his face uh, and in his body language against the Broncos. They were hitting him around the head and the neck and the shoulders uh, a lot on on every route, and he was frustrated by it. He was he was uh, having trouble getting you know free releases like he like he typically would. So it's obvious teams have always wanted to take away those two guys. It's just never worked as well as it has this season. So. Yeah, I'm trending towards that being an actual concern. Uh, how about the Chiefs' run defense? I already alluded to where I stand on this one, uh, that it's NBD given the fact that they've been very good over this uh, win, win streak over the second half of the season. Uh, they ran into a Broncos team that uh, was dedicated to the run, and they seemed content with letting them run. But OMG or NBD about the uh, concerns with the run defense? Yeah, no, this is quick. It's an NBD. I, I kind of mentioned it. You just alluded to it with, you know, this Denver offense was was wanting to run the ball, has been successful at it lately, and and the Chiefs, you know, didn't mind them running too much. So NBD, I, I think they have they have the talent in there right now to where you know you can trust the run defense when it really needs to be good. It can be good. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, the Kansas City Chiefs are 8-4. and four. We are feeling good about them again. They control their destiny for having a home game, not first round bye, but maybe that can come back to them. Uh, John, I know yeah. you're going to have the playoff picture coming at us 
pretty soon here. We'll have that the rest of the way as we try to figure out the percentages on this thing. But let's talk about this game. Let's dive deeper with our marinated takeaways. John, we'll start there with you. What is your marinated takeaway, your number one thing you've been thinking about the past few days? Well, this is kind of uh, bears on our earlier conversation about Chris Jones. I think there's no question about it. Chris Jones is the defensive tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, that experiment is now over. Now, they're not going to say so. You know, the Chiefs aren't going to announce, oh, yeah, defensive. We've now changed Chris Jones to defensive tackle on the roster. But he's been listed as a starter for a couple of weeks. He's back to the same percentage of snaps on the inside versus the outside that he was last year. Um, the experiment is now, by everything but completely official means, over. And I know that that'll make a lot of people happy. So I just want to make, make that point today in case you've been waiting for that to happen. It's happened. This, mm. this is a done deal now. Uh, the experiment's over with Chris Jones. Yeah, I unfortunately agree, and, and not unfortunately that it's over, but unfortunately that I, I thought it was the best idea I had ever heard in the offseason. <laughs> well, we I, managed to talk ourselves into it, didn't we? <laughs> I really did. I, you know, we, we make our bold predictions, which I haven't pulled up, but I'll tell you my bold prediction was that Chris Jones would break the sack record, and really I should have been looking at TJ Watt, who's going to do it with like 11 games played, it seems like. But uh, Chris Jones – yeah, is uh, is a much better defensive tackle. He actually has a much better chance of breaking the sack record as a defensive tackle. Clearly the number two guy in the league to Aaron Donald. I mean, it's just such a difference. And and now hindsight is twenty twenty here, John, but the Chiefs should have never considered it. I mean, they, they really should have never considered moving him from inside. And 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 I, I don't blame him. I, I like the idea. I wasn't against it. It's not like I was raising my hands and being like, they're making the wrong call, but they tried it. And to their credit, and we said this with Brett Beach before they cut their losses. They weren't cocky and, and didn't stick with it just because, and it's made a huge difference since they've decided to go back on their, their word there. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. It, this is the way it should have been all along. I think they would have, as I said before, I think they would have, played around with using Jones more often at defensive end uh, as a means to mess up opposing offenses. But I don't think it would have been something that Steve Spagnuolo would have been taking questions about at press conferences. It wouldn't have been the subject of articles on no. sites like ours. You know, what's it going to be like with Chris yes. Jones at defensive thank you, end? Thank you, you for know? the clicks, Steve. Yes, well, we, we appreciate that. nothing to yeah. talk about. We appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, we managed to take advantage of that deal, but um, you know, I just think it was not a best the best idea they had. No, but I think it may have been the the, the only idea that they had when they couldn't get Ingram, and they yeah. didn't see anybody else that they they could get that they thought would would be a positive uh, influence on them. So it's like, okay, well, we'll have to do this instead, and, we and were, it didn't we, work out. Remember, we were trying to look at the free agent market. I believe we we had talked for on numerous occasions about trying to round up the available defensive ends out there because this was a position they needed. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, you know, again, and, and it's not like he's made a huge difference, but probably keeping Tano Passanio was more important than anything else. It's probably the mistake they made, but there weren't a ton of options. That's I mean, fair. Couldn't come to yeah. a, an agreement with, with Ingram. And then uh, they eventually got him. All right. En enough about Chris Jones. We've talked the nauseam. All right, let's go on to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just thought this was a huge part of the game, and I, I isolated it in my rapid reaction, and it's it stuck with me all the way into my marinated reaction. And and I want to want to give you just a, a a verbal description of what was happening in the press conference as I'm watching this. It, it gets to be 108 left in the second quarter, and I and the Chiefs get the ball, and I, I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, they have two timeouts. And, in, and my brain is telling me, I'm at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm watching Patrick Mahomes. I'm watching Andy Reid in the offense. My brain is like, you know what? 108, two timeouts. This is the Legion of Zoom, baby. They're going to be going for it. They'll be throwing it downfield. They'll they'll be trying to, to score seven before halftime. And it, and it was like you, you, you see glass break. <laughs> you're, you're breaking the piggy bank your your brain is shattered in the sense that like that chiefs isn't something that exists right now they are not that version of of the team 
and and I guess the theme is suddenly becoming cutting your losses on this show. But Andy Reid knows it. He knows that his offense is not there. So rather than risking another part of or another instance, I should say, where the ball is bouncing off your receiver's chest into the opposing team's hands, he decided to cut his losses, run the football, get into the locker room, and then maybe they'll try to push the ball down the field in the second half. This stinks. I, I, I hate that this is the Chiefs' current identity, but to me where it matters is, is it's not only the case, but the Chiefs have embraced that. And I don't know. There's something about that, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with them for embracing it, but there's something about it that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I just I haven't been able to get over that because you do still have Patrick Mahomes. And so mm-hmm. should you – it becomes the case, do you continue to try – to do that type of stuff. And, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there either. Well, it made you crazy. I couldn't help but think when that was happening that NFL analytics people were going completely nuts <laughs> in that moment because, you know, a lot has been said about the Chiefs electing to receive in the second half. Right. And there's a, there's a reason why it's not just random chance that you do better if you receive the ball in the second half. What's going on here is that the way position, uh, the way drives usually line up in an NFL game, the team that was on defense to begin the first half is usually on offense at the end of the first half, which means that you get two back-to-back possessions. This is the reason why you're statistically more likely to score more points and win more games if you defer to receive in the second half. So if that's why you're doing it, why waste that possession? You know, I mean, I I get it if they don't want to throw deep, you know, and expose uh, in a 20-mile-an-hour wind, expose uh, Mahomes to the potential of an interception downfield. I get that. But would it have been that hard to throw some some uh, wheel routes to a running back or a running back in the flat? That's a fairly high percentage. Yeah, you know what? And per- like, this is reception. You know, ten I mean- three. It was ten three, and this was a game where you saw Butker already make a fifty six yarder. So it's not even like yeah. you necessarily had to get to to yeah. a touchdown. You could have gotten what? What is that? Seventeen minus fifty six. You would you had to get there about to their forty, right? And yeah. give them an opportunity and. You you would had had left no time on the clock and you could make it a seven point game. I just I don't know. Yeah. There's something about it that made me think I don't know if this team is going to be able to win the AFC Championship. It was just such a moment, and I know that that people say defense wins championships. Not in 2021. It's the quarterback, and it, and if you've lost belief in your quarterback, then I'm just having a hard time believing he's going to be able to will the team to an AFC title. It it used to be defense wins championships. It, It is quarterbacks. It's quarterbacks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we've talked about the defensive turnaround. You heard our marinated takeaways from the 22-9 win over the Denver Broncos. Now it's time to take our first look at the Las Vegas Raiders with the Great British Chief Show. Once again, it's Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. That's quite... I mean, I remember that one. That was a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the pre-Andy Reid days, shall we say? It was. <laughs> Yeah, Andy Reid's kind of opened up a healthy lead, hasn't he, against all AFC West teams, I think. I think we've got a winning yeah. record against all three of them, which is mad because up until 2010, the Chiefs went so long without winning a division title. Like, they've never won division titles in streaks, the Chiefs. And yeah. what was I think is uh, in the 70s and 80s, they have an even worse record of winning division titles. Oh, God, yeah. But for the yeah. Chiefs to 
be the all-time game winner out of the the four AFC West teams. Um, that's that's a little crazy to me. The Raiders have had a really indifferent time since we battered them on Sunday night football. Like yeah. they they lost they lost the following week to the Bengals. They got battered against the Bengals as well. And then they went on that crazy game on Thanksgiving and somehow <laughs> managed to beat the Cowboys and Derek Carr absolutely lit it up on Thanksgiving Thursday. But after that, then, then they have like the, the mini buy. They have 10 days in between games and they go and lose to Ty- Taylor Henneke and the yeah. Washington football team only scoring 15 points and conceding 17. Like, if you're a Raiders fan now, like you're not in the playoff race. You like technically you're in the hunt, but you're, you're clinging on. Good, your team's yeah. not good enough. They know they're not going to be in the playoffs. They can look at their schedule and go, okay, yeah, they've got some winnable games. They've got what? They've got us to come. Then they've got the Browns. They've got the Broncos, the Colts, and the Chargers. Yeah, they could probably make a case of getting two or three wins out of that. But is that going to be enough for them? Nine wins going to be enough to get a place? In the AFC playoffs, yeah. probably not. So, if you're a Raiders fan right now, you're probably thinking, "Oh, when's the draft? Like, <laughs> when's, <laughs> when's the draft?" So, like, it's the same if you're a Raiders player. Are you, are you? Is your head kind of on the beach already? Are you starting to think about your holidays? Like, it's been a tough couple of years with COVID, yeah. moving to Las Vegas, playing in an empty stadium, and then coming into Las Vegas, playing in front of a crowd again and then having a really indifferent season that maybe they're just not interested. And especially with the stuff that's gone on in Las Vegas, we won't go crazy into that because we talked about that in the last time we previewed the Raiders, Mm. but they've just had so much go on this season that they've probably just had enough. And I just don't think you're going to see a really motivated team on Sunday night. I feel like you're going to see a team that's not going to be out for revenge because they can't be asked. (laughs) I just think they come into Arrowhead and they're not going to probably concede 41 points again, but I expect Patrick Mahomes to have a little bit of a bounce back and maybe get mm-hmm. 25, 30 points this weekend quite comfortably. You're right. I mean, the Raiders are hanging on to the playoffs or in the hunt for the playoffs by their fingernails at the minute. And yeah. like you said before, that you know, like playing in an empty stadium, it's not empty. It's full of away fans. It's full of road team fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the Chiefs travelled well. The, obviously, the Washington football team, they travelled well. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the picture. It's just yeah. a sea of, like, Washington fans. Um, and it must get demoralising. We saw it, obviously, with the Chargers when they first moved to LA. And, and you know, it was always as though we were, they were playing a road game. And yeah. I think the Raiders are feeling that as well. They feel a little bit dejected. I know... Um, Derek Carr also said, you know, he was sick of losing games and he wants to be here when the, you know, the, the turnaround happened. Mm-hmm. But you can't see that in the immediate future from the Raiders because, like I said, everything just seems false with them. Yeah. You know, they had obviously that false start at the beginning of the season where they were flying high. They were going to win the AFC West and all the fans were happy. And look where they are now. And yeah. again, They've got this. They've got this magnificent stadium, and it is. I mean, you know, credit where credit's due. It is a magnificent stadium, but again, it's a, it's almost like a false fascia in front of what the Raiders are at the minute because it's just packed out with road team fans. Yeah, it can't and be fun. It can't be fun, and and I think you're right. I think the Raiders are going to be so dejected and not even really be up for this game because again, they're going into our head. That's going to be loud. I mean, they're going to be buoyant, you know, buoyant from obviously beating the Broncos, but also the way they annihilated them in, in the, in, you know, in Vegas at the, in the home. Yeah. I just really think the, the Raiders are just thinking, let's just go in, get it over and done with and get out. <laughs> it's mad how we're trying to like get into the minds of, uh, elite athletes aren't we we could be completely wrong about this but i just it's it's the attitude that i would have if i was a raiders player right now yeah where's our fans gone (laughs) they'll probably get more fans at arrowhead than they will in las vegas um where where do you think what well not where do you think but what evaluation can we make about the chiefs offense if they go out and score 41 points again against the raiders like can we really get excited about the chiefs offense if they do that, because obviously they done that last time out against Vegas yeah. and there was the whole, uh, we think we got our swagger back, blah, 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 blah. And there was all of that. But then yeah. since then, the Chiefs offense has kind of laid an egg and not really shown their swagger. So let's yeah. just go out again against the Raiders and do the same sort of thing. Are we right or wrong to get excited about it? I think the media will have a, a field day again. Okay. But I think 
the true Chiefs fans will be thinking, do you know what? It's another dub. And yeah. I think we've got to have that. We've got to have that mentality in our heads that it's all about dubs at the minute. It's not about how many points we've scored or how many points we give up. Or um, it's just all about the dubs. And if we if they play a good game by the offense, brilliant. If they don't, the defense will mop up no problem. I think everybody's getting a bit, a little bit bogged down in 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 the actual performance of the offense. But we all know it can click. We all know it can yeah. it can really raise its game when it needs to. Um, but is a game against the Raiders really a, a game where they need to? So if they do score forty one points, really. are no. we are we going to be cautiously optimistic about the Chiefs' offense? Or are we going to just think actually they've done that last time? That's what I think, by the way. Like the Chiefs could, yeah. they could come out and score 41 points. Travis Kelsey could say, oh, we got our swagger back yeah. again. But does it mean that I believe that the Chiefs are going to be capable of putting on an off- offensive performance against the Los Angeles Chargers the following Thursday? Probably not. I think it's a no-win situation for the Chiefs offense this week. They yeah. can they can score 20 points and the Chargers, uh, the Raiders can score 10, they win the game. No one gives the offense any credit whatsoever because it was a defense that won the game. Or they can score 40 points and then we turn around again and go, well, you've done that against the Raiders last time and look how you followed it up. I do feel like if they do get the 40 points against the Raiders, there's going to be questions asked. Well, show us again, but show us against someone else other than the Raiders. Do it on Thursday night against the Chargers. Do it against Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Show us against those teams, and then we truly believe that your offense is back. So I don't feel like there's going to be any chirping this time if they do no. do it. I don't feel like you're going to get Kelsey or Mahomes or the dancing on the sideline by the offense. You're not going to get any of that. I feel like it's going to be a business trip on, on Sunday. Okay, granted, a home business trip, but it's going to be all about dubs on Sunday. And if there is a performance, I don't expect there to be any shouting about it from the offense. It's a good way of putting that. It, 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 Treat it as a business trip. I think you're right there. Um, it, it's it's there just to go in, get the dub, get out. Um, and I think that's that, that's the right way to to approach this. And I think the fans have got to kind of approach it in that re- in that respect as well. I mean, it, it's it's very easy to get swept away with the offense when it's fully clicking with this Chiefs team because you know we love to see it. We love to see Mahomes, you know, slinging it left, right, and centre. We love to see Tyreek Hill, you know, burning off defenders, and we love to see Travis Kelsey doing his thing in the middle of the field. But um, I think Chiefs fans have had to really learn quite a bit this season that it isn't always going to be a perfect game. No. And we've got to get used to that. We've got to get used to the fact that we may have off days. And we've had more off days than we've had good days. Yeah. But- well, we can have an off day this week because we're playing the Raiders. And their <laughs> absolutely sucks most of the time in, in Arrowhead. Yes, last year we had a good game in Arrowhead and they got the win. Well done. Well done, Derek, yeah. for having one good game. But it, traditionally, he is terrible in our head. And he's very terrible in our head in December as well. So yeah. um, I look forward to the defense just like making his life hell on, on Sunday with with the new front four all clicking, with Jaron Reed playing well, with I think Fenton's been practicing today as well. So he's due to come back. This defense could just absolutely pilot on Derek Carr and we could see tears like let's let's let's, let's see Derek Carr tears um, like it. I just like their, their offenses outside of the game against the Chargers uh, the Cowboys they're having as many offensive problems as us at the moment so yeah, yeah I, we might we can skip to prediction shortly but this this game's going to be fun <laughs> it's yeah. going to be fun the offense might be great the offense might not be but the defense i i can't believe i'm saying it is, is going to be phenomenal on sunday the, the amount of people that have said to me now that they are excited to watch the defense i remember saying in one of these podcasts that it was every time the defense came on the field i was like oh i might as well just switch over to some some other channel yeah, while yeah. the defense are on the field because i remember saying that and now i can't believe i'm saying it that i can't wait to see the chiefs defense on the field because We've got so many great things going on there, which we mentioned before. Um, so many, uh, you know, good points, and it just looks solid. It look that's the only thing that's kind of like the standard now, isn't it? <laughs> Is the Chiefs' defense that that's what we're looking for now? We're looking for that continuity, that standard, and that Chiefs' defense is giving that, and it's making sure that the the Chiefs' offense isn't having that extra pressure of trying to, you know. Out, outplay the game, let's say. 
yeah. and go over the top with 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 crazy players and stuff. Mm. Um, it's good to see. It really is great to see. Uh, just to mention when there, you're on about Derek Carr in December. Yeah, Derek Carr has a record of 12 and 20 in the month of December. Um, and he's had 44 TDs and 20 interceptions in December as well. Yeah, two to one. That's not awful. It's not great. It's not not great. It's not, not awful. Awfully, but, but the yeah. win losses there really does stick out. Um, twelve to twenty. Yeah, yeah. twelve. And 20. The, the Raiders have never been ones for uh, ending season seasons well. So uh, yeah, long may it continue. Listen, I, I I think this defense for the Chiefs has has been amazing. I'm shocked off my ass. And I and I and I and I include the fact that they're playing like every team they've played either it doesn't have good quarterback play or they just have just had things that have worked and helped against the that have helped the Chiefs, you know, like no Aaron Rodgers, you know, Henry Ruggs just being you know sent you know arrested and having his situation when the Raiders first playing without him the Cowboys losing Amari Cooper and then losing C.D. Lamb in the middle of the game. The Giants stink. Like, they just – they've had some some things to help their cause. I don't give a rip. These guys have been amazing and have been the best part of the team. And with that being said, as we've talked about this offense, I think it is best for Steve Spagnola and Andy Reid for that standpoint they need to look at, at, at their defense, and their defense should be preparing to have to be this type of defense the rest of the way to get to where they want to get to. Now, I don't, I don't think that I don't think they got a chance to get to the Super Bowl if their offense, if their defense is still the best part of the team. But I think they they got to prepare this way, and they've got to they've got to kind of shut the water off of everything, and and and, and sort of they can't get run on the way they did against Denver. The Williams kid, and you talked about it. You said he is made to 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 beat this team, uh, and to and to give the Chiefs problems, and he did. That's what I'm what I'm watching for. It didn't happen the first time, and the Chiefs have been pretty good against the run, and it kind of started with Derrick Henry, and they've done pretty well against that. Sunday night, though, they got ran over, over and over again by Williams, and to me, they got it. They 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 can't let Jacobs do that. They this can't start to become a trend where teams are running over them. Yeah, but I'd I'd be shocked if Josh Jacobs has a monster game or something like that. Like, and he had 16 rushing yards in the first matchup. <laughs> like, Josh Jacobs is an okay running back. Javante Williams is a special running back, in my opinion, which is why I wasn't shocked that he had a monster game against them. It's like what Javante Williams is like, that's what d- the Patriots can do to you. That's why I would be scared of the Patriots. I'm not scared of Josh Jacobs. I, I think the run defense is fine. It's actually been a pleasant surprise for most of the season. Yeah. And so I, I think that they're fine there. I think that's still where you beat them. Cause I think the secondary when it's fully healthy is better. Pass rush is better. We know Chris Jones has always kind of been a liability in the run game, but Derek Nottie's having a nice year. Jaron Reed has re- has actually finally started to show up and, and make plays in games. So I think all of that stuff is kind of helping like complement the overall defense. But I do agree that like I'm leaning more and more towards okay, this defense is just the best part of this football team. And so and that's, I do, and want, that's I do want those guys to yeah, I do want those guys to have that mentality. Cause it's a, it's a night and day difference from the start of the season. And I'm at this point, whatever excuses you want to make, it's hard to play defense in the NFL and they've done it for long enough that I believe they're a good defense. Now. Well, I, I just say it from the standpoint, like I said, I fully believe that the chiefs will, will pull this together and get their offense. Maybe not to the point where we're like, man, these jokers can put 40 on you quick. But I, I think we I think they'll get to the point of they can put 28 on you. And but but with that being said, I think the defense though needs to approach it as hey man, we get in the playoffs, we might have to win scoring 16, 17 points. And that means they've got to shore up everything. And they got to shore up the run game in in a big way, like like not let this get away from them. Like I said, they, it's not been a problem of late in this stretch. And like I said, to start it with, like uh, I mean, they gave up under ninety yards to Derrick Henry, 
who's the best back in the game. And from, from there on out, it's been pretty good. I think the Packers, we talked about it, got them a little bit, but nothing, but nothing crazy. This was the first game we were like, God, man, they, they look like early parts of the year where they were just getting run over. They just can't allow that to be a trend because the way that the Chiefs offense has played, they have to approach it in their mind. What if we got to win 17 to 14? And the difference could be a team is just getting first downs and staying on the field and they're running the football the way the, the, that the Broncos did. So, I, I mean, I think that – so I think they got to sure that part up. Yeah, going into this game, I, I think it's hard to try to figure out what we could really learn about this team from this game because I think the Chiefs are just flat out better than the Raiders right now. Yeah. And, you know, the Raiders were looking good early in the season, but they're just not that good right anymore based on everything they've been through this season. And so a dominating performance by this defense again this week against the Raiders – doesn't really tell me that much about this team. Same goes for the offense. But, yes, you want to see the defense continue to do that, improve that. And we'll see if they get Rashad Fenton back. He's been fantastic yeah. when he's been on the football field. But the Chiefs secondary is just really good. <laughs> like, their secondary is just legitimately good now with Juan back there playing a big role. Tyron Matthew playing the key role that he has within the defense. And then Charvarius Ward, Legarius Need, and Rashad Fenton are a hell of a trio of cornerbacks. Like, their secondary is legit now. Well, and speaking of the secondary with this game, I think it, it really bodes well for the Chiefs that the guy that Derek Carr – because, I don't know, Waller, Waller is their best receiving threat when he's right, and hell, he may not even play this game. Um, as, uh, as, as we look at the injury report, he's been injured. But the place that Derek Carr feels comfortable and wants to go to is Hunter Renfro, and he generally lives in the slot, and that's where Legereus Sneed lives. And so you feel better because potentially your best guy, although Rashad Fenton, the way he's played and how the metrics and the numbers, they love his ass. He's been really good, but I still think Sneed is, is maybe your best guy. And you feel really good this week against the Raiders that their best receiving threat is probably going to be getting matched up a lot with your best guy in the secondary in, in, in Sneed. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this matchup because Legarius Sneed has really place. come on. <laughs> I, I I am juiced for it because Hunter Enfro is a guy that we like to make fun of a little bit, but he is a very, very good wide receiver, a very, very good NFL player, and their best wide receiver right now if Darren Waller doesn't go in this thing. So, yes, Legereus Sneed is going to be key to the Chiefs' defense in this game. Uh, I'm excited to watch Sneed and watch him continue to play. Also, I believe that Legereus Sneed is the best tackling cornerback in football. That's that's fair. That's fair. He's he's. I told you. I said this before. He's Rondé Barber. He's like a Rondé Barber of the books. That's who he reminds me of. That's the best tack. That's the last uh, this, uh, corner who I think has tackled the best. I think Snead is is in that caliber. Um, uh, he is not afraid to come up and fill and, and lay and lay the wood on on folks, and he can cover in that slot. So uh, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, the one last thing for me, though, when the Raiders have the ball, and that is. I'm scared to death of the developments with Dan Sorensen. Um, I'm scared to death here. Um, and I listened to Andy Reid this week come through with his, hey, just last week, just a couple weeks ago, many of you all didn't think he should be here anymore, wanted him off the team, and now look at you now. He still oh, shouldn't. Oh, still shouldn't oh I just want you to know, Andy <laughs> – uh, and I know you guys listen sometimes. Uh, I'm still there, and here is where I am. And, and I'm gonna be honest. And, and and then I hold uh, this one. This is the one that made me real nervous. As as Andy is taking a, a damn victory lap and gloating about some of y'all said he should be gone, and look what happens now. It's funny how it happens. And then uh, and then Dan's second father, uh, Steve Spagnola, he spoke this week and said, "Oh, he looks great." I'm fired up for him. I was as happy as the rest of the guys. <laughs> I watched our trainer, David Glover, brother of Dan, 
uh, Dan Glover. Sorry, I just added that in. Uh, David Glover run all the way down the sideline as Dan Sorensen was heading in there. All of us were happy for him. We all know it was a struggle early, but he never wavered, never complained, did his job. That's Dan. He's a pro. And I think that's why you got the reaction out of all of the other guys and feeling really, really good about Dan making those two plays. Those were huge. Did you did you type this up or something so you can just read I've it? Got, I've got what he said. That's exactly that's bad. You have like the quotes that the team sends out, so you read what he said. Shout out to Pete Sweeney. Yeah, his father. <laughs> his father. And I listened. I listened to the presser, and I said, "I've got to hear this. I've got to read this verbatim." Those two big plays that Dan did, made. Listen. Did, so first off, Dan celebrated that like he was not a player who's won a Super Bowl before. Like that was like his Super Bowl moment when he was running into that end zone. And did what you? What the hell was it he did? <laughs> did he, was waving the football around like like he was acting like that was the biggest moment of his career. I thought he was talking gonna, about a guy I, who's played in multiple AFC title games. Yeah. And yeah, then I, don't, I is, don't think that's fair of you to do that. You don't know what you would do if you had twenty <laughs> if you had twenty yards clear to get to the end zone. I was I, hoping he'd go Dion and. Yeah, high step it. Do that. That's better than whatever what that whatever that was. I don't even know what he was doing. What that was feels like that feels like the move of a guy who didn't have sex until he was in his twenties. And being <laughs> that he went to BYU, I think it's a fair bit. He okay. I'm happy for Dan. I, I'm happy for Dan. I'm glad you got easy. that moment. 24. You needed that this year. Spags wanted you to have it. He gave you your one shining moment. Now stop playing Dan so much. We don't need him in the secondary come playoff time. Dan does not belong back there. What's been so weird about Vegas, and you mentioned the rebuilt offensive line early on in your, your answer there, what's been weird is, uh, you know, you go into the NFL draft and all of a sudden the offensive line becomes a need. But other teams, they kind of eventually over the years, they fall into a need. It seemed like the Raiders – made their own need at offensive line where they in the off season just said goodbye to three key players. And, and I imagine that has to be maddening for fans who are looking for more and more talent to surround car. So I, I would agree with you. I don't think the Raiders have done a good job just giving him what is a fair opportunity. And it's led to more and more questions about him. I want to get into this game specifically by looking back to that week 10 game, specifically in that game, from what you can remember, what do you think went wrong for the Raiders there that might be preventable in this next game? I am fascinated to see if the Raiders continue to play cover three. They play cover three more than any other team in the NFL. It's Gus Brad. That's what Gus Bradley does. He plays cover three. And there's been so much talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs against two high safeties. But the Raiders don't have a second good safety for coverage. Jonathan Abram is their strong safety, but he can't cover anybody. And the Chiefs is where he's been exposed more than ever. I mean, it was something ridiculous. Like he was targeted nine times and gave up a hundred and something yards in the first meeting with Kansas City. So ideally, if you're playing the Chiefs, you want to have two high safeties all the time, but the Raiders don't have the second safety to do that. So I'm fascinated to see what Gus Bradley does because it fits his personnel much better to play cover three, but you also just saw Patrick Mahomes pick apart that coverage. So if you're Gus Bradley, I don't think there's a right answer because I don't think putting Jonathan Abram in coverage works. I I don't don't think that's going to go well for the Raiders, but I'm also not convinced playing cover three is going to work as well. I think defensively, it probably comes down to can Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe make the secondaries more irrelevant, right? Can they get to Mahomes enough? But as we've seen, getting to Mahomes doesn't always lead to good things for the defense. He can break it, break it down anyways. Yeah, the Chiefs, as it turns out, they have two solid safeties in Matthew and Thornhill. And then sometimes the cornerbacks need additional help, but they've been really helped by the advanced play of Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark and Chris Jones and, as it goes, it does make every level of the defense a little bit easier. I have kind of an obvious question for you, but I'm just wondering if you have any additional insight. How much of an impact is maybe Darren Waller being out of the lineup, uh, hindering, I should say, the, the Las Vegas Raiders right now and in, into this game if he can't play? Yeah, it hurts, and and he hasn't uh, practiced yet this week either. So 
I would assume he's not playing unless we get to Friday, Saturday, and he's back at practice. But it it hurts. But Waller hasn't been as good this year as he has been in the past. He's certainly had some significant drop issues. He's never really been like a great run blocking tight end. He's definitely more of the yeah, that's a receiving tight end. So, but but it hurts more because the Raiders don't have other great receiving options. Like Hunter Renfro is a good slot receiver, but they outside of that like. With Even if Henry Ruggs was still here, it's not like Henry Ruggs was a dominant deep ball receiver. Brian Edwards hasn't done anything. Zay Jones barely gets any target. Deshaun Jackson only played like half the snaps last week. So they just don't have other good options. I mean, hell, Darren Waller's backup, Foster Moreau's a solid receiving tight end if they throw it to him. So it's it's probably not as bad as it thinks just because of the name power Darren Waller brings, but... It, when you're Derek Carr and you're looking for literally anybody to throw the ball to that's not named Hunter Renfro, it obviously has that effect on the offense. Through this conversation, I'm kind of sensing that that you think the Raiders probably are going to lose this football game. But turning that over, what has to happen? How does the game script go if the Raiders are to win this game at Arrowhead Stadium? Yeah, cars. Derek Carr and the offense have to throw the ball down the field. Uh, that's been it's it's been weird where. We've had very clear evidence that when Carr is aggressive, throws the ball, isn't worried about throwing into tight coverages, gives his receivers a chance, that the offense is good. But he only does that when they're losing. And that's why a lot of their wins have been comeback wins. When they go down two scores and then all of a sudden, here comes the offense, it's because they're like, oh, we can throw it down the field because we're losing by two touchdowns already. But in most of their losses, I mean – they, they throw it. I mean, hell, they played Cincinnati two weeks ago. They get the ball inside the 10 after a fumble. They throw it twice behind the line of scrimmage and they end up kicking a field goal. So offensively, they, they've got to have Carr throwing the ball down the field because the offense has been it's been a very good offense when they throw the ball down the field. And Carr's got to be he's he's afraid of throwing interceptions is what it is like. He's a very risk averse quarterback. And more often than not, that can be a good thing. Like you don't want to throw interceptions, but it also limits the actual yardage you can pick up. So he's got to be aggressive. And then defensively, it, you know, it comes down to can Jonathan Abram cover anybody or can they make enough tweaks in the cover three that Mahomes doesn't pick it apart because that's probably the biggest fear is that even, you know, bad Patrick Mahomes this year still torched right. the Raiders. Like, you know, right. even when he's having his maybe his worst season, he still went off against the Raiders. So it's I'm not too optimistic, but there I mean, there is a path. There, there is certainly a path. There. The Raiders are good enough that they can win an arrow. 